Put it to Daniel chapter 1. Uh, Daniel chapter 1. <clears throat> As we have been, uh, our, our theme this year is continuing, and we're using the life of Daniel as an example of that. And. <clears throat> As we look at Daniel's life this morning again, we need to stop and kind of look at human nature as a whole. As a pastor, uh, I, I recognize certain characteristics in, in people in general. You start to recognize these characteristics and... Um, you, uh, that tend to be natural reactions. <clears throat> the other day, I was—I got a phone call. I don't know if you've ever done this, but uh, I, 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 anyway, I got this phone call, and I, you know, my uh, caller ID, you know, showed me who it was. So I answered the phone. And I said hello, and, and he didn't—he didn't say hi. He didn't say anything. He just said. Can you pray for me? <laughs> and I was like, uh, uh, sure. <laughs> and yeah, no, I knew who it was, okay, but but it still was like just kind of caught me off guard. And I said, okay, 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 what's wrong? He says, I am absolutely beside myself. Okay, now. I didn't tell you this part. The person I'm talking to is another pastor. Okay? And he is just absolutely beside himself. He, and I could tell. I, I could just tell. I could hear the frustration in his voice. Y'all yeah, know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and he, he just, and he's breathing heavy, you know. And um, I said, I said, okay, calm down, man. I said, what happened? I didn't know if his church fired him. I didn't know, you know. I was like, man, what in the world? After he calmed down a little bit, he explained. He said, somebody recently came to me for advice. And he says, I gave them biblically sound advice. And then they subsequently went out and did just the opposite. Now their lives are messed up. And they are coming to me and wanting me to fix it. You know what I did? Well, after I stopped laughing. <laughs> no, I didn't laugh. But no, my first thought was, that's human nature. What, what is human nature? Human nature is, very, very simply... I want to do what I want to do. And most people will do what they want to do, regardless of solid biblical advice. Understanding human nature starts with understanding ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I've come to the realization that I am an incredibly selfish person. I'm lazy, I'm selfish, and I'm very prideful. How many of you would raise your hand for that one? Amen. 
I, I just that's just who I am. And once you recognize that those those certain character traits within yourself, then you can start understanding and helping other people. The Apostle Paul warns us about selfishness and pride in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, Let nothing be done through strife and vain or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind let us uh, esteem others better than ourselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The word strife in verse 3 means selfishness. Selfish. We, we, we are all selfish at the core. Every single one of us. We all struggle with pride in one, one form or another. It's just part of human nature. Now in my case, you throw laziness in there and you got a full, 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 full basket, I guess you'd say. I read recently a, a study that I want to share with you that I, f- I was not surprised by, but after reading it, it really challenged me in my thinking. Because it takes something that I probably knew, and it, but it makes it very real. A few years ago, psychiatrist Ruth, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, uh, Berenda, I think is how you say her name, and her associates carried out an interesting experiment, uh, experiment designed to show how a person handles group pressure. The plan was simple. They brought groups of 10 adolescents into a room for testing. Subsequently, each group of 10 was in- instructed to raise their hands when the teacher pointed to the shortest line on three separate charts. What one person in the group did not know was that nine of the others in the room had been instructed ahead of time to vote for the second longest line. Regardless of the instructions uh, that they heard, Once they were all together in a group, the nine were not to vote for the longest line, but rather the second longest line. The experiment began with nine teenagers voting for the wrong line. The stooge would... I'm reading, okay? I did not call him a stooge, okay? Just saying... The stooge would typically glance around, frown in confusion, and slip his or her hand up with the group. The instructions were repeated, and the next card was raised. Time after time, the self-conscious stooge would sit there saying that a short line is the longer line, simply because he or she lacked the courage to challenge the group. The remarkable conformity 
occurred 75% of the cases and was true of small children and high school students as well. The study concluded that some people had rather, or, excuse me, would rather be present than right, which is certainly an accurate assessment. As I read that study, I was challenged in my thinking because <clears throat> Daniel, the, the person we're studying, was, was a person known for certain characteristics, and one of those characteristics is the fact that he was willing to stand out in a crowd. Was Daniel a conformer? Or a transformer? He was a transformer. Let's look at Daniel chapter 1 and verse 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And, Dan and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king uh, had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even until the first year of King Cyrus. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. And Lord, as, as you know my heart this morning, I ask that you would give me the words to say, to communicate the truths that you've put on my heart. And Lord, help me to be your mouthpiece this morning, to, to say only the things you would have me say. I am truly thankful and grateful for all you've done and all you're going to do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The study that I read earlier recognizes that the majority of people in our world today are conformers. They don't want to make waves. <clears throat> they just want to go through life the easy way. That's how most people live their lives today. The transformer is someone who doesn't mind making waves. The transformer is someone that uh, they will they are uh, challenged to do the hard thing. They are never content with the status quo. The title of my message this morning is simple: Conformer or Transformer. Everybody in this room this morning is one or the other. You're either a conformer or a transformer.
my first point this morning is the progression of faith continued. Okay, last week we talked about the progression of faith uh, uh, in verses 8 and 9. If you turn back there real quickly, we'll look at these very quickly. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And we talked about last week that the the progression of faith is this, that the first step in the progression of faith is that we must take the first step. But Daniel, but Daniel, he stood for truth. He took the first step. The second thing that we talked about last week was faith starts small, but it grows. That's where we see the, the, the second step or the second um, progression, I guess you would say, uh, in faith is that it, <clears throat> but Daniel, but then in verse 9 you see, now God. When we will take that first step of faith, then it is up to God to take the next step. And this morning we're going to look at the third progression the third step or the third uh, uh, aspect of the progression of faith. And that is letter C, the blessing of God. So we see here the first, the first step is that we must take the first step. Then we see faith grow and then we see the blessings of God. Look at verse 17. So you have in verses 8 and 9, you have uh, but Daniel, now God. Verse 17, it says, as these four children, God gave. God gave them blessings. God gave. That is the progression. Warren Wiersbe wrote this, if you want to make a living, get training. If you want to make a life, add education. But if you want to have ministry for God, you must have divine gift and divine help. Training and education are very important, but they are no substitute for the ability and the wisdom that only God can give. Amen to that. We need God's help. I want to kind of clarify something here that because it's really easy to think that, okay, so these, these four young men <clears throat> just sat back and, and God, God just gave them wisdom. He blessed them with wisdom, much like Solomon. And, and so they didn't have to do anything. Well, that's not true, okay? Um, these, four, these four men just didn't sit back and do nothing. They still worked hard at their education, God just blessed them through their their hard work. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. 
In James chapter 2 and verses 24 to 26 says this, ye, ye see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. Likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The, 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 the fact is this. These four young men had to put their faith into practice. And because they stepped out in faith, God grew their faith and then blessed them because of their hard work. The progression of faith. As the king's potential counselors, they had to be educated in a in a in a a lot of different ways. And this is important that we understand the impact that these that 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 these young men were going to have. They had to be educated on uh, how to act in the presence of the king, because in that day, if if somebody came into the presence of the king and didn't bow just right or talked out a turn or did something wrong, all the king had to do was nod to one of his guards and they would take him out and kill him. I mean, it was, it was a brutal time. So they needed to be schooled on how to even act in front of, in front of the king. They needed to be able to know how to conduct themselves in the presence of foreign dignitaries. This is all important stuff. They needed to be up to speed on current events within the realm and without the realm. They had to know all of that in order to be an advisor to the king. They had to be familiar with the Babylonian religion which was absolutely contrary to their Jewish faith. They also had to know about the Babylonian superstitions. If you, uh, it kind of is tied into their religion, but they were incredibly superstitious people. And they had to know all of this stuff. They had to understand astrology and astronomy because the Babylonian people were very consumed with those two, those two things. They had to know history and economics and the list could go on and on and on. They had to know everything. I said all that to say this. I want you to think about something. Here you have four Jewish young men growing up in a very strange culture than what they had ever been exposed to. And God has thrust them into an incredibly influential position. These four young men are going to have the ability to influence leaders, kings, princes, political leaders, party leaders, local government officials, the whole, the whole thing. 
God is going to use them in a very, very precious, special way. I want to give you a couple examples. <clears throat> the first one is in our, our verse that we use here, uh, that we're using for our theme verse this year. <clears throat> now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Daniel's life influenced the king so that the king recognized when Daniel was getting ready to go into the den of lions, the king knew that the God that Daniel served continually would be able to save him from the, from the lions. That is an influence that only someone who is a transformer can do. A, con, a, a conformer will never have that kind of influence. Let me give you another example. Daniel chapter 3, verse 26. We have the, uh, and for time's sake, I can't go into all of the backstory here, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or uh, let, let, me, let me give you their Hebrew names, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They, they take a stand and they refuse to bow to an image of the king. And the king gets mad at them, and and the and, and we'll get into this story in more de- detail here in a few weeks. But but <clears throat> the king gets mad at these four guys, and and he throws them into a fiery furnace. And and in Daniel chapter three and verse twenty six, it says, "Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth." Come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fiery furnace. And again, we'll go into more detail, but it is it is apparent that these three young men and their stance for God influenced a pagan king because they were not conformers. They were transformers. They were willing to make a difference. In Daniel chapter 4, in verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, again, we'll go into more detail as we go through the life of Daniel here, but I I want you to recognize the, the words of Nebuchadnezzar after the influence of Daniel in his life. He says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are true and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Time after time after time and I could go on and on and on but the point is this, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were transformers. They were not conformers. They were willing to do the hard thing. They were willing to stand for truth and make a difference in the world that they lived in. There is a discussion in churches across our country today that 
The question is this. Should Christian young people attend secular universities? That is an argument or a discussion that is in many, many churches across our country because of the influence that the, the education system has on young people. Let me say this. I believe that if a Christian young person will stand like Daniel stood and refuse to be a conformer, but a transformer, then they can make a difference in a very dark place. The problem is many young Christians just want to conform. And they go into these universities and they don't want to stand for right. The argument continues. Say, but what about Moses? Was Moses, let me ask you a question, was Moses a godly man? Okay, would Moses fall into a category of a <clears throat> a transformer or a conformer? A transformer. But what about his education? In Acts chapter 7 and verse 22 it says, and Moses was learned in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. For lack of better terms, he graduated from the, from the best of the best universities in Egypt. And yet God used him in a great way. These four, these four young men allowed God to transform their lives. He allowed them to transform their lives. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word transformed here is the Greek word metamorphi. Anybody know what English word we get from the Greek word metamorphi? Metamorphosis. What is, what is a metamorphosis? It is a transformation from one thing growing to become something completely different. And when we allow the Word of God to transform us, we become something totally different. We must take the first step. We must allow faith to grow in us. And then the third step we see in verse 17 is we see the blessings of God. It is the progression of faith. Point number two this morning, we see in verses 18 and 20, 18 through 20, and that's the king's evaluation. We, 
We read it a minute ago, but uh, the, the four, uh, all of the students go before the king and he communes with them. He spends time with them. And Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael are found to be ten times better. We don't know how many students there were. There could have been just a handful or there could have been many. We, we don't know. But these four young men were transformed. Their lives had been changed because of what God had done in their lives. They were not content to conform. The king comes and he communes with this group of students. Again, we don't know how many there were. We we are assuming there were many, but we don't know. But I find it very interesting, the king's conclusion of his, his time with them, after spending time with them. The king concludes in verse 20. He says, In all matters of wisdom and understanding, that the king inquired of them and found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So not only, now this is important, not only did the king find the the four young Jewish boys ten times better than the students, but ten times better than all his astrologers, all of his advisors throughout all of his realm. That is quite a statement. Why? Because they were willing to let God transform them. They were willing to let God transform them. And I believe with all of my heart that a young person who has been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ and who is spending time in the Word of God daily can survive four years at a university. Now let me say this. That goes for everybody else as well. You say, but Pastor, you don't, you don't understand where I work. I Maybe I don't. But I can say this with pretty much all the confidence I can muster. Your work environment cannot be any worse than Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael's work environment. I mean, you talk about pagan. This is the this is the belly of paganism. And they not only survived it, but they flourished in it. And they were able to influence people in the midst of all of this wickedness. And they were because they were willing to be transformed. But there's a problem with metamorphosis in the life of a Christian. There's a problem. Do you know what that problem is? We have a sin nature. 
And we and and metamorphosis in our lives is a choice. Now God can change us into something incredible. Paul Paul puts it this way. I, it's not in my notes. It just popped into my head, so I don't have the reference. But he, Paul says this. He says, <clears throat> "We are." Um, I just had it and I lost it. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things. That's called metamorphosis. That is change. I'm not content living the old life. I want this. I want new. And we can be different. We can make a difference in our workplaces, in our universities, our high schools, our elementary schools, everywhere we go. We can make a difference. If we allow God to change, to metamorphose us into something different. We must take the first step. We must take the first step. We must choose to be different. <coughs> Excuse me. And we must choose to do right. The progression of faith, the king's evaluation. And in verse 21, we'll see a long life of influence. A long life of influence. Now, on the surface, verse 21 is just kind of there. But it's there for a reason. Daniel continued even into the first year of King Cyrus. And again, on the surface, you look at that and you're like, okay. <clears throat> but Cyrus, well, let, let, me, let me stick to my notes. I don't want to get off my notes here. The first year of King Cyrus, uh, he reigned, his first year of reign <clears throat> was 539 B.C. Okay, 539 B.C. I'm going to throw out a lot of numbers and dates. You just kind of hang with me. <clears throat> but we know... That, that Daniel was still alive in 937 B.C. when he wrote uh, chapter 10 of the book of Daniel. Okay, so Daniel <clears throat> lived, we know for a fact that he lived uh, at least until 537 B.C. Assuming that Daniel was 15 years old when <clears throat> uh, the year 605 took place, when Babylon took him into captivity, then that means he was born in 620 B.C. Okay? <clears throat> that means that the first year of Cyrus, and then you add two years when he wrote chapters 10 and 11 and 12 of the book of Daniel, he would have been 83 years old. If he was 15, which he was close to being 15 when he was taken captive. So conservatively speaking, we can say he was at least 80 years old when he wrote Daniel chapter 11, uh, 10, 11, and 12. 
during Daniel's life, he served at least four kings. Nebuchadnezzar, a guy named Belteshazzar, we'll talk about him later, a guy named Darius, and Cyrus. Four kings. Because when he was 15 years old, he was willing to stand for right. He was willing to allow God the opportunity to transform his life. He was not content with being a conformer, but he wanted to be a transformer. And because of that, because of his willingness to do that, he was not only able to influence four kings, but countless numbers of political officials that came and went. Many of them probably beheaded because they made the king mad. Countless numbers of people that he was able to influence because he was not content with being a conformer. My challenge to you this morning is this. It's really pretty simple. Each of us in this room is either a conformer or a transformer. Every one of us. I can't, I can't answer which one you are. I imagine that many of you are sitting there thinking, boy, I hope I'm a transformer. The reality is this. We are either going to be squeezed into the world's mold or we are going to live a life that is transformed to influence the people around us to the glory of God. That's each of us. Every one of us is going to answer the same question. Which one am I? I can honestly say as I struggled with that question sitting in my office recently, I thought, well, you know, there are some areas in my life that I I do really good at. And then there are some areas in my life that I don't do so good at. At the beginning, when I read that study about the about the the ten people that and nine of them were coached to answer the wrong answer, and seventy five percent of the stooges went along with the peer pressure, I thought, how many times in my life have I just gone along because I don't want to be different? How many times have I just conformed because I don't want to make waves? But but you're a pastor. You're supposed to make waves. (laughs) No, I'm human. 
And I struggle with the same thing each of, each of you struggle with. Transformers don't always have an easy life. But I will promise you it'll be an exciting life. Look at Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah. Their lives, I'm sure, I, I, I can be pretty confident in what I'm about to say, I'm sure that when Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael were going through the, the, the struggles that they went through, I don't believe they thought, you know what? 2,000, 3,000 years from now, people are going to be reading, us, reading about us in the Bible. I don't think they thought that. Just saying. But I, I want you to think about this. If, if and, and I, I don't want this to come out heretical, so be care- I want to be careful here. But hypothetically, if the world continued for another 3,000 years and God decided to add another portion of Scripture, which He won't do, I'm just saying, okay, would, he, would your name be in that list? Would He say, hey, you know what? There was a, a, a group of people at Grace Baptist Church that did right and they and and would would we be or would us would would any of us be named in scripture again would your life be worthy of that honor it's an interesting thought daniel hananiah azariah and mishael They just wanted to do right. They stepped out in faith. They allowed God to grow their faith. And then God blessed them in miraculous ways. Because they were willing to be transformed by the Word of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I I do ask that you would challenge us this morning. Challenge us this morning to, to stand for right. To do right. Allow you to do the transforming work in our lives that needs to take place. So that we will have the strength and the wisdom to stand and influence a world around us that seems to be spinning out of control quickly. Never in the world's history is the gospel more needed than it is right now. Help us, dear God, to be people of change and people of light. Help us to understand the truth that we've heard this morning. We are truly thankful and grateful for all that you do for us. Help us, dear God, to never forget and never take for granted what you do for us. We love you and we thank you. With every head bowed,